0: Hey Anthony!
2: Yeah, Happy New Year, Don. How you doing? I enjoyed your uh, coverage of the Mummers Parade.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, we had a blast. Absolutely, and um, and we had good weather for that. No precipitation, no storms. It was fantastic. So take me through mm-hmm. some absolutely. Of your, <laughs> so take me through some of your your recent stories that you've been working on. Um, new mayor saying that Philadelphia will no longer be a tale of two cities
2: yeah i mean i think uh anyone who's kind of been watching the inauguration and kind of looking at the media reports and how people are talking about uh Sherelle parker coming in as mayor um you know there there's some optimism and i think that's generally what happens when we get someone new in um i think especially in this case we've seen a lot of uh you know less than thrilled um evaluations of uh mayor kenny leaving uh so you know it's a sign here that philadelphians are ready for something new and ready to deal with some of these problems we have. Um, Parker, for her part, came out and she rolled out a 100-day action plan. Uh, And with it, I think it's fair to say, she's setting her sights high here. And she's talking about, uh, we will make Philadelphia the safest, cleanest, and greenest big city in the nation with economic opportunity for everyone, she said. Um, And so when we're looking over her policies and kind of where she's concentrating, um, she's talking a lot about police and crime, of making sure that people feel safe here, uh, she's looking at quality of life issues and cleaning up the streets. Uh, she's looking at housing as a big priority, economic growth, education, but also trying to establish um, a trio of roundtables to get feedback from, um, you know, businesses, from religious leaders, uh, and also just trying to coordinate local officials with state and federal um, government workers. Uh, so, you know, there there's a lot of talk here about what we can really do to turn uh, Philadelphia around. I think what's really interesting, a couple of things here, um, you know, she said, uh, we will restore a sense of lawfulness to the city, supporting those in need while prosecuting those who commit violence. Uh, so she's talked about bringing on more uh, police officers to be on the street. She's uh, pushing uh newly uh, sworn in police commissioner, Kevin Bethel to create a strategy to shut down the open air drug market in Kensington. And she's also talking about getting more housing built and making sure we can have what she called affordable luxury for low- and middle-income families in the city.
0: Yeah, I think you're right that a lot of, you know, I think a lot of us are just, you know, we're being very hopeful, and looking at Sherelle Parker, what will she do about crime, and she says we're not going to have a Kensington problem anymore, so I'm, I'm, as a Philadelphia longtime resident in the city, I'm very hopeful. You also talk about American, um, well, let's let's stay with the mayor for one second mayor sherelle parker is saying that she'll take on uh, sky high rents so what's Mm -hmm. the story on this because yeah i mean inflation obviously but how do you take on high rent situations in the city of philadelphia and because i'm i'm sure that landlords are saying that they're trying to do these adjustments
2: yeah, I think, uh, you know, Philadelphia is not alone in this. I think all across Pennsylvania, either from other cities where rents are going up to even just, you know, you go out into the Poconos or into rural Pennsylvania, and there's a struggle for people, you know, working service jobs to find rent they can afford to pay and still, you know, make it by. Um, so, you know, I think when we're looking statewide, Pennsylvania is about a 100,000 units of housing short to really stabilize rents. Um, and thankfully, we have kind of seen this rent growth slow down um, in recent years since the pandemic after it went and spiked. Um, but Parker is talking about uh, trying to uh, enable increased housing production and preservation, uh, making sure that uh, small-time landlords who offer a lot of that affordable housing uh, do not get pushed out. Broadly, when we're talking about these issues with housing, on the one hand, we have a labor supply problem of it's hard to find uh, workers to come out and do this stuff. Um, you know, when you're thinking about plumbing, electricity, getting the house built, um, you know, there, there's some problems with labor on one hand. On the other hand, and I think where Parker could really turn things around um, is looking at the slow bureaucratic delays and zoning issues. Um, so, I mean, if you talk to any builder in Philadelphia or elsewhere, a lot of the hiccups that we see are you know slow bureaucracy. It might take months to get to get a permit approved. It'll take more months to get um, an inspector to come out and make sure everything is in line. you can continue on with uh, housing. Um, but I think broadly you know I've seen even in my neighborhood where they tore down a parking garage and a uh, developer wanted to put in something like 50 apartment units but there's a lot of outcry from neighbors um, and that turns into a hassle when you're trying to get zoning approvals. Uh, So that project now, instead of putting in 50 apartment units, it's putting in a half dozen townhomes. Uh, And I think that's a pattern that we see all across the city. And I think the more that Parker can do to make sure, you know, inspectors get out quickly, permits get approved quickly, Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to build apartments rather than uh, defaulting to fewer units that cost uh, much more money a lot more money here. Um, I think if she can really improve on those basic bureaucratic issues, um, she can come a long way in making sure that people can afford to stay in Philadelphia, not only stay, but save up enough money to actually buy something for themselves.
0: You know, you have a story about the Pennsylvania treasurer and I've interviewed, you know, Stacey Garrity multiple times where she had this, she really had this push, if you will, to try to get military medals back to the original owners, and as well just trying to get people to look up the site and see if you have any unclaimed property. So you've updated, you know, with the start of 2024, the status on how this is going. What do you see?
2: Yeah, I think Garrity's done a very good job of getting more public awareness out about um, the Treasury's unclaimed property vault. Uh, when we're looking at military decorations, in 2023, the Treasury returned almost 92 veterans and their families, uh, including five Purple Hearts. Uh, so I think that's been a big push of really, you know, reminding people that, you know, when people pass, things get left behind in safety deposit boxes or whatever else. Uh, and the Treasury, actually, if you go on their website, you can simply, you know, search your name and see if there's any unclaimed property um, associated with you. Because, um, I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of money or a lot of items sitting there in the treasury vault um, waiting to get back to Pennsylvanians. Um, and so I, I think she's made some big strides in pushing that and making sure people people are aware. Um, so that's been one of the main things she's uh, bragged about as treasurer. Um, another thing when we're looking over um, this year's accomplishments is uh, basically cutting, cutting, cutting some costs, uh, making sure that Pennsylvanians within the treasury, you know, they're getting higher returns on uh, taxpayer money, uh, also getting um, a financial outlook upgraded. Uh, Moody's in, um, I believe it was September, uh, upgraded Pennsylvania from a stable financial outlook to a positive, uh, which, of course, Democrats and Republicans both took credit for. Um, But it seems like she's doing a lot to kind of give the public a better sense of what the Treasury does and remind them uh, that, you know, there's a lot of people who have property or are owed money by the state. They just need to go and claim it.
0: And there's an update on the uh, 529 program as well.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the 529 program is interesting because it, it's sold as, you know, making sure that families can save up for their children's education costs. Um, generally, that's used by wealthy families, generally in urban counties. Um, but even then, uh, she's been able to cut um, about $11 million in fee costs um, for families who use that plan. Um, and that's kind of been expanding, um, making sure that people can really use that money to cover you know, various uh, uh, high school costs, college costs, all sorts of things there.
0: And I love what you wrote as far as, and, and you quoted Stacey Garrity, the, the treasurer, about returning these medals some 90 medals to the families of of military can you go into a little more detail on that anthony uh, just as to what happened there with cuz i i think the question is well first of all how do these people um you know how, do, how how is it that medals maybe don't get passed down into a family or or that sort of thing are they are were they lost were they stolen or how does this work
2: yeah, uh, I think, you know, every family differs and every mm-hmm. every path these uh, military decorations take uh, differ. So I think it, it's generally a situation where, you know, they just kind of get lost or in the shuffle. Um, I mm-hmm. think, you know, Pennsylvania, a lot of people are born here and then move away and then older family members stay behind. Um, it seems like a, a lot of uh, the way this happens is maybe a, maybe a. a medal in a safety deposit box or at a bank, and then as the family returns to kind of divvy up the estate and do what they have to do, um, these things just kind of get lost. Uh, Garrity mentioned that one of the medals that she returned, um, one that was especially meaningful, she says, was connecting with the family of the late Adrian Kronauer, a World War II veteran who was shot in Germany. His uniform button saved his life now future generations of Adrian's family can honor his legacy with the purple heart he was awarded for, it's tremendous bravery. Um, so you know, I don't think it's a case of these are getting uh, stolen or mm-hmm. families are just throwing this by the wayside. I think just the complications of, you know, how people store their valuables, the chaos of when a family member passes and trying to get the estate in order, uh, it, it turns out to be very easy, that uh, very precious or very valuable things can get lost in the wayside.
0: I hear you. You also talked about water, American water. They did an audit. What is what did they find there?
2: Yeah. So this kind of comes uh, with the context of um, American water serves about two and a half million Pennsylvanians um, across 37 counties in the state. Um, Let's see. This was about uh, uh, recently. American Water had a proposed 25% rate increase, um, they are essentially trying to raise a billion dollars to, um, um, to invest in its water and wastewater systems, uh, which sparked an uh, investigation from the Public Utility Commission, ba- basically looking into whether this could be justified. Um, and so this audit is kind of looking at how the company could improve, how money could be saved or what uh, processes could be improved. Uh, and uh, the PUC came back with about 30 recommendations. Um, a lot of these were more, you know, qualitative. There wasn't necessarily a uh, money-saving uh, dollar mm-hmm. sign attached to this, but a few of them there were. Um, and looking over this, one was how they measure um, the water usage and, and what gets away. Um, and changing that, the company could bring in about $2.5 million in savings annually. Um, Another was related to inventory and how much uh, material they were storing, and cutting that down could bring another uh, about $600,000 in annual savings with a one-time $4 million um, inventory reduction. Um, so, you know, there, there's different ways where they yes. could save a few million, few million here and there. But all this was just related to, you know, improving the process of how they monitor things or switching something from manual updates to, um, you know, automatic. Uh, basically as a way to make sure, you know, Pennsylvanians are not the ones who have to carry all the weight for improvement.
0: I hear ya. you. Finally, I just want to touch on this one that you wrote about, SNAP ben- benefits in Pennsylvania are way up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this uh, ju- just has some context here. SNAP is it's a federal program. Basically, the federal government provides a lot of the spending and then states um, kick in for the administrative costs of this. So most of this is on uh, the federal government to do. and uh, But even then, you know, mm-hmm. spending has gone up dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're compared to 2019, um, spending has basically doubled to $127 billion nationwide. Um, and when we're looking at Pennsylvania specifically, benefits have gone up about 76%. Um, not all of, most of that isn't really coming from a boost in the number of Pennsylvanians getting SNAP benefits, which basically uh, food stamps. Um, we've seen about a 16% rise in the number of Pennsylvanians getting these, um, but it's a 52% boost in the average uh, monthly benefit to someone receiving it. Uh, so we've seen a r- lot of growth, generally driven by the federal government. A lot of this has not been, um, you know, tweaks to the state program. Some of that has come about, um, but this is also happening, you know, employment, the employment is high again. Um, we're kind of through the pandemic, but we're not really seeing a dip in SNAP benefits afterward.
0: Gotcha. Well, Anthony Hennan, I thank you so much for updating us. You're always busy and writing about so many issues. So thanks for keeping us updated. Thanks, Anthony. Of
1: course, thank you so much.